I took a job serving tables at Applebee's. I started driving Uber. And so I would literally be on shoots with guys who have reality TV shows in Vegas and then get off a flight and go serve tables at Applebee's. And I moved in my mom's basement and I paid her $4.50 a month. I got rid of my apartment, lived in my mom's basement so that I had that you know flexibility. My, got my expenses down to less than $700 a month. And uh, over six months, saved up the 10 grand I needed, bought my equipment, and then I start quit on December 28th and started uh, January 1st, uh, 2019, and um, left behind the business. And they didn't want me to go. They were like, what's it going to keep take to keep you? And I was just like, a boatload of money at this point, because I just had to kill myself for you guys to realize I wasn't bluffing. So, And I, to their credit, it's in the best interest of companies to gamble that you're going to bluff. And the gamble that you're going to choose security over uh, opportunity, right? What's going on, guys? My name is Ryan Snod. It rhymes thought, and you're listening to watching the Rhymes Thought podcast. Today we have a guest that's come in that has multiple names. You might know him <laughs> as Jeremiah. You might know him as Jeremy. Jeremiah Scalvo. Welcome to the pod, man. Hello. You are the owner of Scavo Media, and you are, are, I guess you would say, a competitor of mine. But yeah, we also technically. Are, yeah. So now we got to start a, it's actually yeah, yeah. a rock and sock and robots yeah, uh, challenge. Um, but I'd love to kind of get a little bit of backstory for the folks at home that are listening. Um, tell us a little bit about like who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I own Scavo Media and uh, we do everything marketing that you could possibly need uh, for the most part. And if we can't, we'll find someone who does hire them and then, you know, manage that project for you. So a um, lot of websites, a lot of digital advertising, a lot of um Google SEO, SEM is our biggest thing that we've been pushing, but that's really our way, our little way of tricking you into letting us into the door so that we can offer other services that are really, really valuable in relation to that. So, and which happens, that's where the video stuff comes in is usually I, uh, I offer lower priced video paired with a service package of other extremely valuable advertising marketing techniques. Um, and then you can get a monthly subscription of videos for very cheap at a very high level to go along with it. And I make a tiny little bit more money, but not much um, with that particular upsell. So that's really cool. I'd love to have you on today. Cause we, I mean, we were talking probably 20 minutes before we even started hitting record here, but um, there's so much that we can learn from each other. And I think the competition versus uh, com- like collaboration conversation always comes up a lot. What's kind of your thought on, uh, associating with other people that do what you do. Cause a lot of people talk to some industries, like they don't ever speak to each other. And what, what's your kind of your thought on that? Uh, there's an endless amount of work out there. I have, I, I even just before we came here, I was working on a project for a client that's out of Colorado that met me through, uh, I got referraled through, and I'm not even shooting the footage. They're just uh, data transferring it to me. And, um, with a, you know, a lesser experienced person that's shooting it, but I'm coaching them continually helping them get better at shooting. And then I do the editing and it's, a, I mean, it's a decent, um, little bit of income I've accidentally occurred and I don't live in Colorado. Right. And so, uh, and then I have another one on the East. I mean, it's just slowly those regular things build up. There's so much work. It's, it's more about, um, I'm not trying too hard, actually, and not seeing everything as the enemy um, that makes things work better for you, I think. Sure. I love it. So before we get too deep in the business stuff, I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit because I don't even know the story. But tell me kind of your backstory. Like, where are you from? Did you go to college? What what kind of brought you to do film production professionally? Yeah, I grew up in... um, uh, Grimes. And then my dad's worked at Drake University for over 40 years now. Uh, so I grew up on the Drake campus. He's in IT. He, uh, he originally started at Ed Media. So I grew up um, going to Drake games, falling asleep in the TV truck back when Drake used to broadcast them on uh, local television. Um, and my dad was the engineer for the TV truck. So I kind of grew up in it to begin with. Um, and then uh, uh, always had um, access to technology Drake was going to be throwing away. My dad would just bring it home. So I was always a few, I would describe my childhood as being like YouTube before YouTube existed. Because if I had a question, my dad would go and ask the professor what uh, the, my question and come home with a book or the information about what my question was. And you just couldn't get on YouTube back then and, and do that. Well, I technically that's how I was doing it. And so I was editing on final cut two, um, when I was 12. You know, I didn't quite understand. I had to stick with iMovie, but by the time I was 14, I actually could add, edit sequences on Final Cut 2, which that might sound silly now, but you got to understand it in 2000 and 
three or four, that's ridiculous for a mm. 14 year old to be editing. A, a, that's just, I was the one of one, um, in the area basically. And then from there I ended up running my entire school district's website, um, all the, a whole bunch of their media, everything. And they basically paid me ta- tag, talented and gifted. They paid me in A's to work for the school district. <laughs> That sounds like a fun call. Yeah, yeah, well, I wouldn't have gotten a call. I, 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 my entire strategy was like uh, I can offset a C with this A over here by basically working for the school district. I don't think they would like me to say it that way, but that's pretty much how it worked out. And then my Dude, C- giving A's is so much cheaper than hiring a web developer. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I didn't have to do my wo- homework. Like all the stuff that I didn't want to do is like, I know I can pull off a C over here. If I just do the bare minimum, I can get C's across and then I'll average out to about a three point with the A's. Right. And I mean, so, and I had a guaranteed A and a whole bunch of slots, but I also did work for the high school football teams video. Okay. I started doing that and then the uh, film games or practices. Yeah, shot or? the games and then made highlight tapes, all that stuff. And then they had a school to work program that the high school football coach was in charge of. And uh, he got me in at KCCI because of that. And so then from KCCI, I'm a, a senior in high school out shooting news, driving around in a marked car. And again, no one watches the television right now, so it's not that big of a deal now. But back then, the only way you got information was Kevin Cooney on KCCI. Yeah. And so I thought I was a pretty big deal. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so that, and then my whole career just starts from there because then I'm getting mentored by literally some of the best storytellers in the country at the time. Like per capita, KCCI was one of the best t- uh, local um, TV stations in the country. And that's not like opinion that was like, actual fact yeah and i got to hang out with them every day so that's dope so you worked as like a cameraman did you transition other roles while you're at the studio or? no just a, so they would refer to me as a photojournalist so i'm out with a reporter capturing stories getting shot at never getting shot at, but you know like uh, chasing you know, ambulances stuff like that all sorts of just interacting with politicians like uh, interacting with a whole bunch of very high level things that i had no business to be even be 10 feet of you know and so it was kind of wild especially starting at 18. So sure. That's really cool. So how long did you work in the news sector then before you transitioned to something else? I did that through college and I did it for about seven years and then I was broke. And so in news, your option is either to go to network, maybe management, you can make a little bit better of a living. Not exactly, wasn't exactly mentally and emotionally equipped to be in any sort of management at the time. And so it's either go to network level and then you make really good money, but you work in network or I find another alternative and then that's where I ended up. I didn't even want to go into marketing. I was like, I was the only video job I could. I didn't even know when I took my marketing job that I would be traveling the country. I had no, I didn't realize they're like, are you okay with travel? I was like, sure. I had no idea beyond the road, like a hundred days a year. I had zero clue. That's I crazy. Just, I just knew I'd be able to pay my bills with the job. So I took it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So where'd you go to college during that time? I was at Drake. Oh, Drake. That's yeah, right. And then yeah. your first job out was like agency role or kind of a... No, at KCCI. I, I was at I was at KCCI from my senior year of high school until about two years out of college. I did a three-month stint. My first, technically, my first full-time job was KCRG in Cedar Rapids. Um, but then uh, the job, full-time job I wanted at KCCI opened up, so I came back and took that. Sure. What's What's the biggest difference between commercial film production that you do now and like the news because I always notice like they key light them with like a weird colored light it's always like pink and I'm like what are you doing oh, like, that depends on who you're watching yeah Courtney, it's like Courtney Kinzer doesn't do that but <laughs> yeah sometimes I'll see like they're setting up a key yeah. light and it's like what are you doing or like the, the what's the thing that stood out to you is like the biggest difference so, okay so real quick I do when I address the quality KCCI was uh, won the uh, MPPA National Press Photographers Association's uh, station of the year like eight of the 10 year or like almost every single year that I was at KCCI, we won it. And by the time I was, you know, old enough to be a, on actual staff, I even had stories contributing to that. Um, and so our standard for production value was really high three point lighting. I mean, they would even pay to send you to professional workshops to make you a better, um, storyteller and practicals of lighting, all those things. Um, I didn't actually go to those cause I, I feel like I just absorbed everything through osmosis of just being around these people so much. I actually let someone else go to that training because I was like, I'm already like winning all the awards. I don't feel like I need it. Um, but the biggest difference is that, um, marketing and everything is substantially easier <laughs> because you just, I was like, I, I remember when I first got my full-time marketing job, I, 
had a month to get done what I would get done in a day. And they thought I was just very fast. And I was like, no, this is just really easy. And so (laughs) that's the biggest thing is then that's where then finding interest in other areas and other skills beyond just video came in because I was like, well, I can just do this part, like especially testimonial videos. Like I was like three point lighting, little music, all the, I mean, it feels like I've made the exact same video a thousand times. So you probably have, I mean, that's somebody, I just had a call today with someone about doing a, customer testimonial video. I'm like, can you share some examples? I'm like, dude, how many do you want? Exactly. Like, I got like 30 yeah. or 40 in the last year that I can show you. I I'm have like, stuff from a decade ago that still like still works, you know, like, right. when, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a process. So what you mentioned, like you can kind of grew up in the back of the news van. What was like the first um, camera that you remember using when you first started? Well, a video camera when I was really little, I've every kid got the handy cam out and goofed around. Right. Uh, but my dad brought home a digital camera with iMovie one, very first generation of it. And then skateboarding had taken off right at that same time. And so my friends and I were making skate tapes. And then I I remember him yelling at me one time to go to bed because I was up till like two or three in the morning working on my document my my little what we were what we were producing. Rob Dyrdek point two oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I just hid and waited till he went back to sleep. <laughs> and then I just kept working. And it was so funny to how that, you know, it was like you think kids are being a pain in the butt. No, they're actually creating their futures sometimes. So that's how I started, which I think is actually pretty common for my generation. There was a lot of kids doing that. So Yeah, I know when I started doing videos it was like Bebo was a thing, MySpace is a thing. Mm-hmm. And we do these little like skit comedy ones like my friend doesn't have arms and I'm you know, like, he's like, I want to play football, but I can't cause I don't have arms. And you like gets tackled and that's the end of the video. It's like something stupid like that. Yeah. yeah. But that was like 10, 11 years old. We had a little digital like point and shoot zoom camera, that, like, you know, the lens is in the camera. Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember I, I had figured out basic sequencing and that was a, 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 a big differentiator for my skill set compared to others. Even though I would occasionally mess up the rules. I had a natural understanding of the 180 rule and a couple, my dad's like, you're just not breaking any of the rules and you're naturally doing it. It's kind of cool. And he would show me in the books. He'd bring home textbooks from the college, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I a couple other tricks. So then when I'm in my interview, you know, by the time I'm 18 at KCCI with Dave, the news director, Dave Buzik, I've got a, you know, a, a reel that's nothing impressive. But, you know, I'm sitting there 18 years old without YouTube, without the world, to, you know, without a how-to channel for everything. Um understanding what basic and I just figured it out through intuitiveness, I think. And, um, and then a little bit of coaching. So it's kind of, and now that I think about it, I was like, yeah, there's no way I should have understand sequencing by then. But it's like the most basic thing I always try to tell you, learn how to shoot sequences, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, just stuff like that. Sure. So. And getting like wide, medium, tight of everything. If you're shooting, like if you have a chance to actually like mm-hmm. stage things and yeah. Yeah, all the different things. I it mean, wasn't I, advanced. Like I wasn't moving your eyes. I wasn't, you know, setting things up for, for payoffs. There was none of that, but it was just the, how to get someone from one side of the room to the other. Like I knew how to do that already. And you just didn't know yet, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. So you're working in this uh, agency role. You're knocking the projects out like 10 times faster than what you're expected to do. You mentioned like adding all these other skill sets what kind of things did you add to kind of your belt to, to kind of thicken up the marketing stuff you can do? Well, uh, I wish that I had taken to art classes in college and done, I should have majored in, majored in anything except for journalism because I already, I was already getting educated in storytelling at work. And so I should have majored in marketing and graphic design, even though I'm terrible at design because the first things I, um, but to get the job, I learned Photoshop and I used that heavily. And then le- from learning Photoshop, learning After Effects, and then t- taking on, 2D animation projects at the agency I worked at, we had um, amazing illustrators and, and designers. And so next thing I brought in a whole revenue stream they didn't even know about with 2D animation before you had the easier services like Toonly and stuff now. Um, where we would we would make good money on these huge projects, and I didn't have to I didn't have to leave and have to do anything. I just had to know how to keyframe, mm-hmm. right? So After Effects was the first big one, and then from there I just continually keep playing. You know, when I started my business, I didn't know how to use WordPress. Now I know how to, we sell WordPress site websites. I swear, like every other month we were doing a new one. So, uh, but that was post the marketing agency. It was just, um, you know, you can either become a filmmaker, and I didn't really want to do that. Or you can diversify your revenue streams and build a business. And so I was like, all right, that's what I'm doing. So. Sure. No, I love it. So it, I'm assuming the agency was your last role before you went off on your own. 
walk me through kind of the transition process and when you decided to go off on your own and what you were doing in that time. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And that, that I think that the truth is okay. Um, I, cause I don't want to speak negatively about them cause I'm really grateful to the, where I came from and all the experiences I had there. But quite frankly, I just got pissed off. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I got pissed off is because I had built this department for them that started out with a $400 camera and like none of the equipment I needed. And, and even at one point I bought my own equipment just to show them the value because you can't win. You, you know, the best way is to show them, not tell them. Right. Right. And then from there they're like, Oh wow. And then they invested more. And I, you know, and then by the time I left, were, we were, I was shooting on 30 grand of equipment every time. And, um, I had, ne- I was basically from my perspective, the one who made all the department's decisions, built the department was a, you know, all, running it by proxy, but never officially in charge of it and definitely not paid in, re- in in relation to what I was providing. And now that I've run my own business, I very much know I was not paid in the rela- in relation to how much money I was making them. It was just, I, <laughs> essentially I told them I want a 13% pay raise and they gave me an eight. And they pointed out that most people were only getting a two. And I was like, yeah, but I'm providing substantially more mal- value and income than those people. So I should be getting the 13 while they get the two. Sure. And, um, and then the job that I, the position to run to the apartment that I had built, um, finally came open for me to be in charge. And I was told I wasn't ready. And at that point I just, uh, between the pay, not getting the 13% increase that I thought I was like, like now I look at that and it's like, I can lose half my clients and still be making what I was asking. That's what I think is so hilarious. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, those two things combined, I got so pissed off. I mean, I was just in rage for six months. I, I, I took a job serving tables at Applebee's. I started driving Uber. And so I would literally be on shoots with guys who have reality TV shows in Vegas and then get off a flight and go serve tables at Applebee's. And I moved in my mom's basement and I paid her four fifty a month. I got rid of my apartment, lived in my mom's basement so that I had that you know flexibility. My, got my expenses down to less than $700 a month. And uh, over six months, saved up the ten grand I needed, bought my equipment, and then I start quit on December twenty eighth and started uh, January first, uh, twenty nineteen, and um, left behind the business. And they didn't want me to go. They were like, "What's it going to keep take to keep you?" And I was just like, "A boatload of money at this point," because I just had to kill myself for you guys to realize I wasn't bluffing. So, and I, to their credit, it's in the best interest of companies to gamble that you're going to bluff and to gamble that you're going to choose security over, um, over, uh, opportunity, right. And wait for the ceiling that seems to be there now to rise when they're ready for you to, uh, I was just like, but you guys know, I'm like one of them that's dumb enough to actually do something though. Is there's no way I remember the HR lady even being like, yeah, we, we kind of screwed this one up. I was like, right. yeah. Cause I'm like, what do you think? I was just going to sit there. I built this whole thing on my own. Like right. I dealt with like a lot of really annoying stuff to their credit too. I also, it's important to add in that I had a lot of character flaws and a lot of emotional, I didn't start doing therapy until, um, uh, about how, like at my third or fourth year working there. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the payoff from that didn't even start showing up until in my business even. So sure. to their credit, I think that they were right. I probably wasn't ready to run the department, but I was like, well, in the stand up comedy world, they say, if uh, no one will put you, put you on, put yourself on. So I was like, I'll just do it. Sure. So, well, and as, as you're kind of like, preparing for your exit, angrily taking two side jobs and doing all this crazy stuff. What was kind of your mindset? Because everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, most people never want to take a, a lack in lifestyle, right? They want to keep getting their 10% raise every year for the rest of their life and get a nicer, bigger house, nicer, bigger car. What did it take for you to kind of scale your life back and kind of take a humble slice of humble pie and get where you were? Well, I can literally live in a hole in a wall. Most of the nice things I have in my life are for everybody else. Like, I just don't care. I could, I just, I don't really care. I mean, I like nice things. I might, I have a nice watch, you know, Um, but I don't need anything. And what made all that possible though, was just rage. I was just, you just visualized the person that, that told you, you know, that accused you of being arrogant and, um, um, ego driven. And I'm like, no, let's look at, I did, I did the math. I'd wanted to put a numerical value to how much time. I spent in a hotel by myself making them money away from anybody I cared about. And just the first quarter alone, I put my hourly rate to it. It was up to $17,000 I spent of time 
a monetary value ish, I guess, of my time that they were getting and I was benefiting to a minimal degree from. Right. And so I'm just like, I just felt very frustrated by that. So I just like anger of like, I'm going to just show everybody. Oh, I remember the HR lady did ask me, she's awesome. But she asked me, do you even have a a book of uh, business? And I was like, I'll get one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I just did that. And I, I also just, I didn't even factor in how many wonderful people I'd encountered along the way that now, I mean, they're clients, but they're like my friends. Right. Uh, and I, so a whole bunch of business of people that needed someone who wasn't weighed down by a 40 hour week job just flooded in and I filled solved a lot of problems for them. And so it actually went way better, way quicker than I expected. But yeah, just rage, rage, just pure anger. And I don't really care about nice things. So I've actually had to learn how to have nice things. It's like, I, we grew up with not much money. So I just, uh, I don't know. I drive a 2013 Kia Optima. It's paid for. It, the struts are terrible. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably buy something nicer, but I don't have a car payment. Sure. So why would I buy something nicer, you know? Sure. No, I love yeah. it. I think it's interesting too, because when you left the, like you said, you kind of left with the rage was pushing you out. Sometimes people are getting pulled, other times getting pushed, other times it's a combination of both. As you went off, I mean, you, when you first started the company, it was called Prog Media. Mm-hmm. Talk me through, you, you said it was 2019 when you went full time? Yep, day one. Okay. January 1st, yep. What was that first like two years like? Because you had one year of kind of your training wheels and then COVID hits. So walk me through the first couple of years as you decided to go off on well, your own. I started with an initial video client, mostly because like video is still a huge, it, it's probably like 40% of the business is just video customers, right? And But they're, it's switched now where marketing makes most of the money now. Uh, and I'm happy it's that way because I don't have to lift anything for marketing. Um, <laughs> we got to get you a cart, dude. Yeah, I'll show you I, which one I got. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but it, um, uh, I had a one coming out of the gate that I was bringing in a few, you know, a little bit a month. Um, but it only took eight months for me to get my first um, client to where I was like, oh, shoot, I can already afford an apartment. I was expecting to live in my mom's basement for a year. And eight months in, I was like, wow, it shouldn't be this easy. But I will say one of the dudes that ticked me off and I was like moving was the main one of the main like oh, I'm just going to show him I'm I'm not what he thinks uh, he did say to me the problem was I was 31 when I started it is that I'm my I am way too experienced for my age and so that's I think he was saying I'm not emotionally mature enough yet which I think he probably vowed point to him on that um, uh, because I had I've been doing video production since I was 12 so um, I was surprised that eight months in, I was already making a living. And I was like, what the heck? It's not supposed to be this easy. I'm going to get an apartment, apartment with a buddy right now and move out, of, you know. But yeah, so it just went way quicker. And it's, I mean, I hit five-year goals at three, you know, and mm-hmm. I didn't, yeah. So that's it. There's, the biggest problem is I've not been emotionally mature enough for everything that's happening. Like that guy was kind of trying to hint to me. In it. But then again, I think that that pressure has caused me to be like, oh, I have to grow up, right? Keep growing up, keep growing up. And I don't, a safe situation wouldn't have caused that. So sure. No, I, I love that. I think it's interesting too, like figuring out when you have 40 more hours a week to put to the business, like mm-hmm. things go crazy. Cause I've talked to other people on the show, like they're kind of about to jump or they don't know. And it's like, yeah, but you're, you're putting it on like what you're making from your side hustle now in the few t- hours a week that you do. But when you have your entire week to do it, that's kind of crazy. Cause were you still waiting tables and driving Uber while you were building the, the media business or were you doing all of it by yourself? I, no, eight months only drove Uber served tables for eight months. That's it. And then haven't, I drove Uber for one fun once like a year later cause I was bored. Uh, but that, yeah, that was it. That yeah. Eight months. And then I never had to do it again. And I was awful at both of them. Like not good. I was like a barely a four star rating. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Cause when you, when you, so that first eight months, you finally get to the point where you can get an apartment and get your own place. Um, when did you start offering other services outside of video production? And like, what does that mix look like now? Current day from the very beginning, I wanted to. And so anything that I was offering, I was doing for myself. Uh, it was, the quality wasn't quite there yet. Um, but I, I could make up for that with really cheap, high quality video. And that's, that's basically how I trick people into doing business with me is they would get a, um, you know, stuff that people paid a lot of money for at a lower cost. But then we are in a, um, long-term content marketing based contract and I'd run their ads and what are our goals. And then I remember even the first client had signed on, um, like their first, hey, this is what we're trying to achieve with it, and then actually achieving that goal, and then some was kind of cool, you know. But uh, yeah, it was right out the gate. My first client was a uh, 
uh, my first locked contract, con- like locked in retainer client was um, everything. We're running their Facebook, Instagram, all that. Sure. So your current mix or your current kind of uh, business structure is more on the retainer side. It's the longer term relationships, not so much like one-off video production or anything like that. Yeah. It's subscription services. And I think that's the only way to create uh, just even watching how my clients structure their business. It's the only way to create a business that can survive. Otherwise you're completely dependent on the next sale as to where the service contracts makes your life and the customer's life easier because when I'm on a service contract, you're probably going to get more money, more free stuff out of me than if I'm a one-off because then I have to itemize every single interaction. When I know we have a regular thing coming in, I'm like, you know what? Videos pretty much 100% uh, profit. You know, there's zero cost in most video stuff. So it's like, here's a free video just to, just because we wanted, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Without hesitation. So I prefer the service contract and I I do the one-off stuff, but I try to, like, um, with a, a customer that just wants a website or something like that, I, I, I usually, if they just want the one thing, I'm, I pass them along. I'm like, oh, I don't think we're the right fit. So. Sure. That's super interesting because a lot of, like, my longer-term clients have been, like, we've done three or four repeat projects, and then they just like working with myself or my crew, and they're like, hey, like, we want to do more. Let's talk about it. So then you kind of bring up the retainer thing where you're coming straight out of the gate, like, here's how we structure it and everything like that. Outside of just the video production, you mentioned all these other things. Um, some of those other services, you probably have other contractors that you work with that help run ads or set up campaigns. Like, what does that look like when you're working with a client and you're doing like an ad campaign, for example? When I'm running a cl- ad campaign just for a client, like, um, yeah. what's our process exactly? Yeah. So, like, if if someone's on like a marketing retainer and they're doing the video production, but they're also doing ad oh, purchasing, yeah, like, yeah. what is, what does that look like for a yeah, client? Just uh, f- figure out who the audience is, top down funnel, you know. Uh, but depends. I that's why we like to start with SEM as we find out what the market's like. Um, so we start we push um, search engine marketing quite a bit because it's the easiest to set up, the most efficient. Uh, and we can almost we can get um, leads or conversion or sales almost instantaneously. And then from there, we get a better feel for like what else we could be providing. Hey, would you benefit from there? Well, now we've got some emails coming in. All right, well, let's rehit them with the uh, email email blast as well as we can put the lists into the um, different. Um, uh, social media uh, platforms and start hitting them there and get multiple touches and stuff. So it just depends on the client, but that's, that's basically how we do it. Um, um, uh, first thing is what's your goal? You know, what are you trying? So client, one client, and we don't have these issues anymore was employment. It was highly competitive for, um, their, um, their, um, finding, people to work for the company. And so we made some really funny ads that uh, they're too old now for me to submit to anything. And I didn't have the sense to submit them back then, but they were really successful, got tons of organic reach to be honest. But, um, uh, anytime I talk to somebody in that industry, I'd ask them if they've seen that ad and they're, Oh yeah, those are you. I'm like, yep, we make those. And now they have zero staffing issues, uh, just because of the awareness. Right. And we do our best to track them. I mean, I literally look at their employment thing and say, Hey, we've got this many employees this week, but it's, and it's hard to completely trace it, but we know it. In fact, they laid me off for a little bit and then had to rehire me because they were struggling finding staff. (laughs) Right. So that, that's an example of like, what's your goal? And then let's see if we can reach that goal. We also run into situations where um, um, at, for SEM, we've r- had a client hire us, hire us and we concluded that the market just isn't there. Like no one's looking for what you have. You have to go an education route. You need to raise awareness that this even exists and that's a lot more money than you have to spend. So we don't know what we can do for you. So that's, that's kind of, I don't know if I'm really describing our process specifically, but that's kind of what it's like. Sure. No, it sounds like definitely more of a, um, if we can't help you, we're okay with turning you away type thing. A lot of people would just say, Oh, if someone's got money in hand, like we'll figure it out. It's like, you want to have something that fits well with like the types of clients you work with people that you get results with. I know off camera, we talked about, um, well, I also just want to be able to sleep at night cause I don't like lying. Right. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm like the one marketer that wants to tell the truth all the time. So, <laughs> which I've run into people who are just like, Oh, you're not going to make it then. And I'm like, do you realize how disgusting what you just said is? Yeah. <laughs> it's so gross, bro. But you said it, you know, right. not you, but you know, well, and I know a lot of like, um, agencies too, like it's super interesting to me. They won't like their reporting monthly isn't good. It's like 
X amount of impressions. It's like, well, yeah, but we didn't hire you for impressions. We're trying to get a result. Yeah, they're so trying to keep the business without saying, hey, we're failing to get the specific goal. So yeah. we we have one right now where I just found we're doing their LinkedIn and they said that they actually want to focus solely on awareness, which I'm like, oh, that's the easiest job for me. You know, I just post like, something and yeah, hope, we, you just, know? we just we uh, just run these ads and, uh, you know, just get those numbers cranked up and I don't have to you know, do a lot is the word when we're doing lead generation or sales, actual conversions, you know, it's like, that's the pressure game, you know, and I don't like to be wasting people. That's why you only want to work with people who actually have budgets, but. Right. Well, and the same thing with like organic. Um, like I had a, <clears throat> I was hitting Instagram reels. We, we talked about this on LinkedIn a while ago. It's like hitting vertical really hard earlier in the year. I think I, I was, for six months, I had a firm that was doing all my editing so I could like just get that off my plate. Mm -hmm. I had one video that went off. It was like 300,000 views on Instagram, but it was about, my business process about like editing social media clips. And it's like, yeah, 300,000 views, whatever. But it's like the amount of comments and then DMS I had from business owners that were like, can we hop on a call? Let's talk about this. And then mm -hmm. you get to the sales table with like three or four people. And they're talking about huge retainer projects for like tens of thousands of dollars. It's like that turns into conversion. That's the result. You know, you're talking yes, about like exactly. organic can get you or with the hiring side with your recruitment company you talked about, like, well, now applications went from five a week to 50 a week, and now we can't stop. We had to turn the water hose off. We had to take the listing off, indeed, or whatever. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what literally you want. what happened is they don't need any employees now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that that helps just kind of give give the empowerment there. I think that's super cool. We, we talked about, too, um, it started out as Prog Media. You switch, you transitioned to Scabo Media. Talk about the, the rebrand. And then we also said, like, your name's Jeremiah, but people called you Jeremy, like, are you just the two-faced man? You got two identities or you got like different, uh, what's what's the deal with the rebrand? I think the real story of it is I never wanted to start a business to begin with. I just had a job that ticked me off and forced <laughs> me to create my own ceiling. I would have been a great, especially if I had gotten married and had kids, I wouldn't be sitting here. Like that That just didn't happen. They were probably bummed out that I didn't get married that one time I almost did. Like, <laughs> like I just, um, anyway, so you can't just sit there. You got to do something, but um, uh to start the business, uh, I just Googled how to name a business and it said to either name it according to what you do or a word that means something to you that's important to you. And uh, I, right now, I think that people just make up words because we've run out of words to name that you can, what are you going to do the Beatles? You know, you, you can't. You can't, all the words are taken, so people are making up words. Especially SaaS companies, they're the, they're notorious for just making up a word. It's like, welcome to Exolatron, yeah. Lovoskovich. It's like, what? <laughs> we don't, there's no words left, so you have to make them. Um, <laughs> prog actually comes from prognosis, and so a word that meant something to me was actually in First Peter, Peter the, it's the word foreknowledge. It's from the Bibles. I used to be a Christian. I'm not anymore, but it used to be uh, not religious right now uh, at this point, but it used to, it means foreknowledge, and it's translated from the Greek word prognosis, which is about the outcome of disease or whatever, is this long, uh, too long to explain view of fate and how you don't have control of it. No matter what, it's acting as it's going to happen. It's going happening as it's going to happen. And the hardest thing, most important thing we can do in our lives is accept it. Yep. Right. Uh, and that not like don't do anything about it, but accept it as in and this is how the dice rolled and now I move forward accordingly. Right. Um, and so it's this deep thought on that from years ago that was I w had no desire to put into an ad campaign after I had already registered my LLC. So a, friend, a mentor suggested I just shorten it to Prague instead of prognosis. And I was like, great idea. Mm -hmm. And so I went with Prague Media, but the entire time people would be like, what's that mean? I would be like, it means Prague. <laughs> like, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean it. It just needed to be, have a name. I don't care. Yep. You know? And, um, and then... Yeah, I just got tired of that. So you switch it to Scavo Media. Well, it's a cool sounding name. Um, I've been told that my whole life. It's kind of, and it has some equity here in town to begin with. There's actually a high school named Scavo. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and so I was like, plus it, my last name plus media. It says it. No one's going to be asking me what, what my company name means anymore, and I don't have to deal with that anymore. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to switch that. It's way easier. I was also concerned that people would never want to work for my last name because then they went and buy in as ownership. And I found that people don't care as long as you're paying them. Right. And so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, I didn't need to worry about that. So that's the story of the name. And I just was like, a mentor, I told him, hey, I think I'm going to switch to Scavo. And he's like, yes, do that now. You, get, you can still do it. You're still young enough. It's still soon enough. Just switch it now because you're not going to want to deal with that later. And so I did. Yeah, I totally get that. Because I know when I was looking at doing my business name, I'm like, I kept kicking myself. I wanted to name it something cool, like, 
something video production, whatever. I ended up settling on Snod Media Group because I'm like, I want to make it just general media because it won't always be video. There yep. could be marketing. There could be photo. There could be web, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the group side was like, my goal was to have um, a small team at some point, like five to six employees. So it's like, that was in alignment to like name it what I wanted it to be in the future. But you could always, you can always set up a DBA if you really want to. Yeah. So. And I didn't know about when I started it, I didn't know anything about running businesses. I had mentors like ex- teaching me as much as I, the free info that they would give me, you know, I wasn't paying anybody for that advice, which I think is not necessarily a bad idea. Um, but I, I just didn't know about DBAs. I didn't know about so many of these things that I'm like, wait a minute, I could, I can have 20 names if I want to. So sure. Sure. One of the things that stands out to me when I always see your marketing, it's like you use your Corgi as kind of a fun quirk. And then also the joke side, which we can talk about in a second. Um, so what's the story behind putting a Corgi in your ads? Yeah. Her name is Deborah. I got her. She just turned seven, like a couple, like a couple on the the 15th actually. You guys have a birthday party and candles? No, no, okay. no she doesn't know. So <laughs> <laughs> she can't speak English. Yeah, no. I didn't know that. Uh, she might know. I don't know. She's pretty smart, to be honest. But she's just an adorable corgi that I bought years ago. I had no idea how powerful dogs were. I just always joked about a, buying a corgi and naming her Deborah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a, I can't even tell the joke because there's a curse word in it. But it was a funny joke. I would say when hanging out with people. And then one day I just impulsively bought Deborah, and um, I didn't. I showed a photo of of Deborah to this barista one time and that barista started crying because <laughs> she was so cute. And I had no, cl- I telling you straight up had no clue that dogs had that effect on people. Oh my gosh. I never really even liked dogs that much until I got her. And then she became this like, like, um, therapist slash like, uh, yeah. you know, coworker. And, um, and then I was like, for basics of advertising is cute dogs, kids, or, uh, you know, attractive people. And so I, was like, all right, well, I've got the an easy access to one of those, so I just used her in the advertising, and I made her my vice president, you know, and she's a highly successful woman, you know, and uh, just playing that whole hilarious little thing, then you know, just basic after effects, making her mouth move and stuff. So that's really fun. I, I always think it just again. Babies, dogs, and like you said, yeah. attractive people will always get sex cells, but so does dogs. And babies, Nobody so. has to be smart to do marketing. That's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's pretty intuitive. I don't, some people try to make it out like that's, you know, things are smart. I was just like, nah, I don't, like, like cute dog, huh? You know, and then they pick, yep, I have my attention. What? What are you selling me? You know, so. Right. No, I, I love it. Okay. So we're going to, this is our break in the action here. We're going to do the lightning round. We'll okay. throw some game show music okay. in here. Cool. Um, just kind of break it up a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you some quick fire questions. First thing that comes to your mind, if you want to elaborate, you can. If not, we can just leave it open-ended. But first first question, where's your favorite place to eat in Des Moines? Uh, Latin King. Okay. What's your favorite dish when you go there? Uh, uh, the, the, it's the, it's the ravioli, but it's not, there's two different kinds. I can't remember, but it's the ravioli. Okay. Okay. Good to know. We'll put that on the list there. Mm. Um, dream car. You mentioned material things aren't your big thing, but what's your dream car? Okay. One time I was on a shoot in, um, California in, um, Orange County. No, not Orange County. Where is it? Uh, the, oh, uh, something beach. Um, the real, where all the really rich people live. Huntington beach. No, it's near Huntington beach. Um, uh, Oh, uh, anyways, the guy sold his first company for $150 million. He made sure to mention that in the first hour we were hanging out, you know, right. that kind of guy. And he joked about buying me a McLaren down the street. And I go, I'd rather have a hatchback. <laughs> and he was just aghast. And I was like, well, for video production equipment. So I actually want uh, to get a um, X3, a BMW X3, though, that has the hatchback, but then it still functions like a BMW. So it looks fancy, but I do actually want that. I'm not going to buy it. I'm probably going to buy a Kia but okay. I, because it makes financial sense. But I, I do want that. My girlfriend keeps saying, just get it. Just, and I'm like, oh, in time, maybe, sure. I'll, maybe I'll get that at some point. No, I'd love it. What color? Uh, I think white or white. black. Okay. Black with black rims would be cool. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. If you could have coffee or a meeting with anyone like influential that's still living, who's somebody that jumps out to you that you'd want to spend 30 minutes with just kind of chatting their ear up a little bit? Polly Shore. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Polly Shore. What's the movie he's in where he's a he's a, a GI cadet and he has to lose uh, a bunch of weight? In the Army Now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's like the last time I've seen him in a movie before. I, I don't even know who I'd want to hang out with because Steve Jobs died and yeah. I read his biography and he's kind of a psycho. So I don't know if I'd want to hang out with him anyways. Yeah. I don't know. Probably one of the presidents. Okay. 
any of them, to be honest, just to talk about the pressure of that position. And then you want to talk about a professional marketer. Sure. Like if you want to learn how to do sales, like that's the person to talk to. So sure. probably want any of them, honestly, legit, any of them. Yeah. Any of them just to get a sense for what they actually think. Sure. Is Dwight Eisenhower died, didn't he? Or is he still alive? He might be like a hundred years old now. I think the oldest one is, uh, I can't remember his name. George W. Bush senior. He's passed. No, he passed it was away. before seen. It was before Bush. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, there's a few of them. Like Clinton. I'd hang out yeah. with Clinton. Yeah. I said, talk about a salesman right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would hang I've, out with I've him. met Bill Clinton before. I didn't meet him. I saw him. Uh, his wife was campaigning when I was going to college at oh, Simpson yeah. and they had, she was there and Bill just walking around campus at like 730 in the morning. I was going to class. <laughs> you just talked to him. And I saw him across the thing. I'm like, holy crap, that's Bill Clinton. And he's like, hi. And then, <laughs> and then I found out he has like a photographic memory. So like, he probably remembers me because oh, he's, he's like, like a genius. Like it, people will talk to him and meet him like 10 years later. He'll be like, Oh, Hey, Jeremy or Jeremiah, which one do you go by? You're like, how does he remember me? Like it's one of those types of people. So that's, that's a good, yeah, yeah. I would say Bill, that, that'd be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, how old are you? Uh, 36. Okay. So what would you say was the biggest PG mistake of your twenties that you ever made? Oh, biggest PG mistake of my twenties. I uh, dating someone too long that I didn't want to, you know, that almost marrying someone that was, you know, we weren't the right fit and not ending it when you, you immediately, I don't know. Sure. I feel really bad if you ever watch this. I'm sorry <laughs> that I mentioned that she's a wonderful person sure. and I was the idiot, not her. Sure. So. No, that's a great, that's yeah. a great little piece there. Um, with last one was, um, What's your favorite hobby to do outside of shooting videos? Um, I don't. My dogs just take. It's pretty. It's pretty boring. I don't really do much. Oh, we like to travel. Oh yeah, yeah. My girlfriend and I we go on lots of trips. We're going to Costa Rica here soon. Okay. And then we just we're in Rome, and then we're working on figuring out where the next place we're gonna go. Okay. Uh, I'm not really into it, but I I like in the typical sense. But I enjoy how much everybody else gets a kick out of it. So you know, there's that. <laughs> sure. Well, and finding new things you can do when you travel is always fun because then, like my wife and I went to Greece, and we we like stumbled into like hiking this huge gorge for like 10 hours. We're not huge, huge outdoorsman people, but yeah, it's a fun thing. Now, whenever we travel, we go hiking because it's like kind of a fun thing to do. So you learn, you we ride things. horses. We rode yeah. horses on the Appian way. I'm actually did want to go to Rome and like, it was amazing. I just love Roman history, but apparently there was a TikTok trend about that. And I'm just a stereotype. <laughs> the more, you know, I didn't know this till I saw that, but my girlfriend thought it was hilarious because she's like, you would reference, I reference the Roman empire constantly in yeah. conversation. Like we'll be talking about how to manage our finances. And I'd be like, well, you know, the Romans, <laughs> and it's like, and then that, that trend to come me. out. I was like, I don't, I don't, that's our hair. It's Western civilization. What do you sure. want? Yeah. Somebody yeah. like, what's, what's, what's he, he's, he must be talking to some other girl and he's Googling like, <laughs> yeah. what was Julius Caesar like when he yeah, was running the, know, like, right. We couldn't find his gravesite either. <laughs> I didn't, I like spent like an extra hour in a hundred degree heat trying to figure out which spot was the gravesite. And we, I, we just missed it. I, I think we walked right by it and didn't realize it. That's crazy. Well, and earlier you had said, so we're, we're done with the hot seat now. Okay. The, yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, what was, I know you mentioned like you had an interest in comedy when you first got into the business. So tell me a little bit about like where that comes from and yeah. how it plays today. Well, one, it led to me having somewhat of a bad reputation uh, because I would do really, I mean, it was like an Andrew Dice Clay type of character, uh, but um, way worse, like obnoxiously worse. And and, and there was a, a, an, a hint of truth in it, but it was mostly me being obnoxious for the sake of being obnoxious and getting laughs. Um, and so it, it had some reputation consequences that I'm still, I think, dealing with to this day. But um, I actually learned how good I was at things or valuable I was to situations from doing stand-up comedy because we started producing comedy shows. And we had a, I was a part of a podcast, um, uh, a show that still goes on and is very successful in town right now. Um, it didn't work out, wasn't the right business partner. I had to back out because we, it was pretty clear that we weren't going to be a, we, the company I own now, we were going to start it together. The guy that I was doing this stuff with, we just weren't the right fit for each other. And so unfortunately I had to back out of it. Uh, but I mean, our first show had a hundred people show up and in Des Moines, that was insane. Like, and then, I mean, the, it now sells out 400 every time at Holy this. Cow. Yeah. With, so is it a comedy club in Des Moines? I don't want to get into specific details. I did run ads for Teehees for a while while Sid was still in ownership there, but, um, it's uh, extremely successful and I was at the beginning of it. So I can't take credit for where it's at now, but the starting point, I mean, I started running content 
I started, I explained to him content marketing, started running ads, learned Facebook, retargeting, um, uh, um, lookalike audiences, how to really narrow it down, just mm -hmm. how to hack getting, making an ad look like it got way more attention than it did by running it in cheaper countries. Like just things like, I remember running my friends in foreign countries, just thought it was so funny. But um, anyways, um, we, we saw a lot of success on this and I was like, oh shoot, I can take this exact formula, apply it to a business and start my own business. And then, you know, that not working out was, I didn't really enjoy that. I don't think anybody enjoys finding out that you're not going to be the right fit business wise with each other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that paired with my company that I was working for saying, Hey, we're not going to be, let you be in charge of this thing you built, uh, or give you the money you deserve. I had two of those things simultaneously happening at the exact same time. And so that's also where a ton of that rage came from. Um, but yeah, I told jokes too. I just wasn't very good at it. So um, I it was more stage persona and like everybody be like, you sound like Charlie Day, right? I got away with a lot of stuff because of um, a lot of factors, but the jokes were just not never. I just, I, I write jokes still, but they're just not that great. Sure. I, here, I have a good one though. Okay. This one's clean. It's PG. It's um, I was watching the show where terrorists blow up the Capitol with all, killing all the politicians inside. Okay. And I was having trouble buying into the show because it just doesn't seem very realistic. Like there wasn't a single parade or celebration afterwards. Okay. <laughs> right. So it's not a killer joke, right? Right. But for me, it takes so much for me to be able to actually write a joke like that. And I learned that from stand-up. But I that... I've been trying to write one joke for a month and that's the only one I've written. Yep. Right. And so good comics on the other hand would take that and then add like four to, I can't do that. So I was sure. never actually good at the thing. I was just good at shaking my tail like a corgi. You know? Sure. Sure. Well, I think it's interesting because you can take that skill set and write it, put it in video script writing, right? Mm -hmm. Or someone, oh, thank, yeah. thankfully, if somebody wants a funny video, you're like, thank God, I well, can finally channel this energy into something that will pay me. <laughs> yeah, and I think that being funny and being a good stand-up comedian are much different things. So being funny is kind of easy, and it l helps you learn how to do that. Having funny friends that you can hire to write stuff for you is extremely valuable. I do that all the time. Where I just say, all right, guys, here's X amount of dollars to each of you. Pitch me 20 ideas that are funny so I can go to this person and pitch them like they're mine, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, stuff like that. And... Um, uh, learning if it doesn't need to be there, then get rid of it. When dealing with a crowd, you watch, especially watching someone try stand up for the first time, they will go up and have all of this setup. I even, when I told that joke, I just told there was a little chunk of setup that didn't need to be there. And I added it in learning to get rid of that so that you can get to the punchline. You can get to the joke. You can get to the point as efficient as possible in modern advertising, especially uh, it's extremely valuable. So it's actually a really good skill to learn because it, like what so many times you see you guys just go and explain or go and set up for five minutes. And then there's actually a funny punchline and you go and explain to them, no, just get rid of all that. And then tell the punchline with these two words, it just takes a while. But once you get that, I think you can work in advertising, like you can work in anything. So, well, and I think there's so much value in it. And for a stand-up comedians, particularly is you deliver the punchline and you immediately know if it hit or not as in a marketer, you might you have to look at the analytics. Like, if it's dead air out there, you know, and you can, you can quickly, like you said, kill it, go to the next thing. But then also if you have to explain a joke further after the punchline, it's not a good joke. Like you have to be able to, yes, everyone arrives at the point, the, de the destination at the exact same time and we can all laugh together. So I think that's the, that's the piece, but there's so many com comics out there now that are like super big. Like who are some of the people that you like watching or for I didn't watch specials? a lot of comedy. I never watched a lot. I wanted to, I used to, I mentioned earlier, I used to be a conservative Christian. I'm not anymore. Um, full support of anyone who believes anything. Um, but, um, I wanted to be a pastor. Okay. And then I left that whole world. And so I was like, oh, stand-up comedy. I could do that. All right, let's give that a shot. And then so I just took that same thing and put it in stand-up comedy. And it wasn't exactly the best fit, but it kind of worked. Um, but yeah, so it, uh, that's kind of how it started. What were you asking exactly? It was basically like what, what comics or some of the ones you oh, like to watch. Yeah, so I don't I, – I like Bill Burr. Okay. You know, like he's uh, a good guy. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Yeah, no. <laughs> Whenever someone asks me that, I always just say Pauly Shore because I genuinely like Pauly Shore. He's actually a pretty okay comic, and yeah. they always don't think I'm being serious. But then I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> so, sure. I yeah. think my my favorite lately just been Shane Gillis. He's been killing it. Mm -hmm. But it's like 
anything I see on social media of his, even from specials I've seen, I always stop and watch the whole thing. Or yeah, yeah. Like, he's very funny. Too. He's just, one of those guys that's actually funny, unlike myself. So. Yeah, and he'll and I think and it's interesting where comedy's gone because before it was very scripted, like set up jokes, but now it's almost like storytelling with the funny twist, which is what I appreciate because people will tell me I'm funny, but it's I just tell stories of what's happened. Yeah but I usually embellish a little bit and then make it kind of funnier. But there's been some crazy stuff that's happened in my life that I'll like recollect a story. And I'm sure my wife's tired of hearing it because it's like, <laughs> yeah. you told this joke like a hundred times, but when I get with someone I've never met before and I have like my, my entire Rolodex of like stupid stuff or funny stories, like things will come up any topic. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's a really funny story. I have to tell you. Yeah. And then it becomes funny. So it's like, I think that there's just different levels to it. You know? Well, it just depends on what you, I think that again, when you see people first trying to do it, they'll start out with those long stories. And I'm on, turns out you can actually take those long stories and turn them into a very short joke. Mm-hmm. Like you just ask, okay, there's the whole setup for that punchline. Is there a way to say that in four or five words? Is yeah. there a way to, to shorten that setup to a sentence? And then, uh, and then we can emit that punchline that works every time we can say that punchline in less than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. How much better would that be? Right? Sure. So you see the, prof- the, the, the high level people doing those longer stories and stuff. Those are people that have been telling jokes on stages stage for years. And so they're planting jokes, planting seeds, pacing, almost as if you're watching a movie, mm-hmm. um, that's perfectly paced and timed out. Um, and so they're able to do that, but I would argue that's when you're getting into mastery. That's like someone who just learned sequencing. It's like, okay, you're not to color grading that yet though. You know, like you don't, let's just get your colors right. Mm -hmm. You know, that, does that make sense? Like that's, that's kind of how I always see it. So, well, and finding, finding the right pacing, I think is huge. Like I I was joke with my wife like her setup is always way too long for any story no yeah it's yeah, like me too me it's too. like yeah. it, what you got to do is like I, i'll start with a hook like oh my god did you hear so-and-so died and they're like yeah. oh my really and now they're in but it's yes, like yeah today i was reading the paper and then i went to this section and then i saw this and i saw this and then i saw the obituaries and i saw this happen it's like you've already lost the audience yep i yep. still listen to my wife but i'm just an example it's like if you can figure out how to hook yeah. And then you've got a good maybe two minutes that you can do a really good story, but you got to really just like hammer oh, yeah. it home. Um, I the, think that's, the, that's huge. That's a Netflix model for showing the end of the series at the beginning. That's uh, the TikTok model, the hook at the beginning, right? To get them to pay attention. Yep. And you're basically telling them at the beginning, signaling there's a payoff coming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't, I just have stopped doing that storytelling format when doing stand up because I wanted to learn how to, can I just tell jokes, you mm-hmm. know? So, but with, with what we do, though, it's perfect. So, sure. No, I love that. I know um, most business owners I'll bring in are doing other things outside of their primary business. I know we talked a little bit off air. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with the real estate stuff, like the the advice that you got from a mentor and kind of how you're applying that to your to your renting stuff. Yeah, so a mentor of mine told me to um, buy a house 3% down with the, I forget, I think it's the... Um, FHA loan? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And you can actually take advantage of that more than once. So I... Um, and then live in it for two years and then you don't have to pay any capital gains on the, 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 the properties. So you don't have to get taxed on you making profit because you lived in it as a home. Then buy, turn that house into a rental, buy the next house with an FHA again and just keep scaling up. And this is like the best house hack. And so that was several years ago. Um, no, that's probably like four or five years ago. I was told to do that. And I don't know anything about anything. This particular mentor has done very well for themselves. And so when they tell me to do something or hand me a book to read, I read the book and then I do what they say. And so I read rich dad, poor dad, like he told me to. And I, um, immediately put the plan in action and it took me about two or three years and I bought the first house and literally in the next few months where we need to pull the trigger because the market's about to go wild, I think. So we're trying to get the second house going. So Sure. So in that first time when you were fixing it up, um, did you also like rent out a room or two while you were there? Like did you house hack it while you were there? I spent too much money, honestly, because I built a in-law suite downstairs. So there's a full kitchen, bathroom, everything in my basement that could be rented out as an apartment. And that ended up costing me a lot more money than I realized. So I think that I'm kind of technically, I'm not underwater because I'm done okay, but I, I think I'm at a loss still because okay. um, I just wasn't smart um, the way I did it. But I, then again, I didn't have to pay my mortgage for several months either when I had someone renting it out. Now I don't have anyone renting it out because my girlfriend and I live together. But um, um, yeah, I did, I did that for a bit. And then, so I won't do that one again, or if I do that, I'm going to do it way cheaper than I did it. Sure. Things don't need to be near as nice as you think they do. 
Um, but yeah, that was the that was the that was the one. The next one we're gonna do is just a generic regular house. The two of us will be living in there, and then hopefully that in law suite makes this house a little bit more enticing for the right customer, you know, right? which in the neighborhood it's in, I'm, I think that it will be. So we'll see. Sure. Hoping well, to get a little cash flow. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think if you, if you have that renter paying for your mortgage one, that's great. But then like you said, when you go to sell it, you can make a profit on the appreciation mm-hmm. and all the stuff, which is also nice. Cause I know, um, a lot of people say too, if you're in the situation where you're not married to your spouse yet, they always say like, she should go get one like on an mm-hmm. FHA loan too. So it's like, oh, there's yeah. all that talk yeah, about that yeah, too. Yeah. Mortgage fraud, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, we we got where now we got a girlfriend that this is a long term deal. So we're we are planning, you know, we have a mindset together on what we're going to do. And um, th- but nothing, nothing wild like that. You know, trying to stick to the book, but, but, but play the game as best we can while, sure. while we're doing it. So you want to sell the house you're in currently or you want to rent it out? No, rent it out and then long term equity. So I okay. don't think the profit is on the cash in the cash flow because you don't really make that. I mean, you made a couple hundred bucks a month, right? It's in the equity and the, the sell off in 30 years, you know, or in 10 years or whenever you're ready to unload. And then there, that's the profit. Technically the house could lose value, but as long as you paid the principal down enough, you get the difference and you still made a profit. It, right. So that's to me, that's where profit is. If it was a, re- if it's a rental. And so they're basically covering the, the interest of the loan for you. Right. And as long as your returns greater than what you put into it, well, you're out of profit. Right. Right. So that's my goal. Maybe like, I don't know, we get the five houses and then we unload it and buy a vacation home. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, I'm so not good at housework and uh, learning how to do that. I mean, I do floors now, but it gives me carpal tunnel. Um, I can do a lot of stuff and I have guys that I hire that are really good, a good price um, that I bring in regularly to do stuff, you know, but it, it's been definitely a learning curve. And then I honestly just don't like doing the work. So there's that factor too. It's like, I don't enjoy, I learn drywall. I don't enjoy that though. I actually mudded it and it looks okay though, but I don't enjoy it, you know? So it's, um, do I want to do that? Is that it? I would, do I want to do that or would I rather just sit on the couch and dealing with that, you know, that thing. But um, at the same time, it makes decent money. So probably keep doing it. Sure. Well, I know my wife is super into like interior design, carpentry. Her dad is an industrial tech teacher in high school for years yeah. and she learned the trades, loves all that stuff. I, if I was single, I'd probably live in a loft downtown. Yeah. I, exactly, I don't yeah. care, but she's mm-hmm. really into it. So I'm always like, if we can get like a rental house that you can put your time and effort into something that will actually make us money. And it's fun for her. Yeah. And she enjoy. oh, I, I, she can come do stuff for me. Right. You guys want a percentage of it? Jeez. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so, it's very hard. It's very detail oriented. Like yeah. you have to, it, fortunately renters don't care that much, but they're also going to destroy it. So you want to do a good job so that it's, you know, sturdy. Yeah. But well, and finding the right, the right structure. Cause like what you're talking about is more of a, you know, a couple years down the road, like you said, when you're ready to unload and there's like a, there's a plan there where mm-hmm. some people it's buy and hold with long-term renters, other people it's Airbnb, other people it's like semi short term. I was telling you before as well, like we sold our original or our previous furniture to a guy that was furnishing a Airbnb for like um, travel nurses downtown. So he's doing like four month terms, but the hospital's paying the bill and they're making like 170,000 a year. So they don't care. Yeah. And they're only there for four months and it's usually a single gal it's like a, the perfect renter for that scenario. Yeah, so there's yeah. all these little like sub niches of like people. Yeah. So. I, I, we, I would ideally actually to get a vacation home that we rent out for most of the year would be very cool because we like going on trips, but if there was something consistent and easy, especially once you have kids, you know, yep. and then, I mean, the, the cost of uh, a rental, the cost of the rental when you're going somewhere is like most of your costs other than flights. So you get that taken care of, like, you know, it's basically like a, like a, a sophisticated timeshare. You know? Yep. Well, there's so much like turnkey software and systems to put in place like you can do automatic doors you can do cameras you mm-hmm. can have an on-site maintenance person or a cleaner and it's like you don't have to be in fort lauderdale or la or wherever it's like you can go live in iowa if you want and have the lower cost of living like there it's it's freed it up i think airbnb is like completely leveled the game out because now there's a marketplace you can find i've stuff. heard that it's gonna i heard that the airbnb was tanking but i don't believe it i just think that it's tanking in certain areas probably but well, I know I, I listened to a podcast interview with the CEO of Airbnb and they do like, I can't remember what it is. It's like $250 million a day in rental yeah, uh, income to, yeah. to Airbnb. And it's like, holy cow. Like, and they, they, I think they laid off like 4,000 employees and they were still profitable because it's just like, there's just so much money coming in from it. Yeah, but, I do. There are, there's ordinances that are happening and, and, and stuff like that. So we'll see where that all goes. But um, the, one thing about that's nice about laws is there's always ways around them. So yeah. <laughs> we'll just see how that happens. But. I, I can never get how like a city could tell you 
you can or can't rent your house at, like what you can do. I think that's kind of wild. Yeah, you think that until your neighbor teaches classes in their driveway and the music's so loud that you can't hear your own TV that you have to call the city on them, right? right. And then you're like, okay, ordinances aren't that bad. I've right. I've had to use a, a decimeter before <laughs> to get certain things fixed locally because I was like, I can't. I I knew when the end of my workday was at least, but it was like I. Ordinances are a good thing, I think. But yeah, I understand though. It's like, I who actually owns property? Well, the United States of America owns all your property, technically. Right. It, it, somewhere. I mean, they can tax you on all of it, at least. So Right. It's kind of wild that way. Um, so kind of wrapping this up a little bit, um, tell me a little bit about kind of like the vision for Scabo Media in the next five, 10 years. Like, do you want to grow an in-house team? Do you want to have multiple locations? Do you just like keeping it small? Like, what's kind of the vision for you as you continue on here? I've got ideas to pitch to people. I know that it just seems that, um, and it's weird being a millennial on my age, but my gener- a lot, so many people of my age and then slightly, they don't want to have bosses and they want to work for themselves. And, uh, you know, healthcare stuff getting worked out to where you don't have to, you know, you're not enslaved to a corporation so that you can, you, you don't die, right? Um, uh, that getting, I don't, that, that's a whole thing in itself, but the idea of building something where everybody can work for themselves, but we all work together of something like that, some sort of collective type of thing sounds interesting to me. I know that I need to do something. It's at a, um, all right, next thing point. What that is for sure, I don't know. We're pushing certain services because those are the easiest ones for us to scale and then um, sell other other services once we're in, right? But um, uh, long-term, not totally sure what we're going to do yet. And, and, and also investing, diversifying too, you know, marketing's one thing. We, the houses is another, always open to a product, an actual product or service that, um, you know, I just put the money behind and we make happen, but I don't, none of that's, I can't tell you for sure what's going to show up in the next, you never know. Have you ever seen the castaway? Yes. You know, when the, um, the, um, uh, uh, porta potty comes ashore and then he, the, the line, he's like, you never know what the tide's going to bring in. And that's how I think a, when you're in the Wild West of owning your own business, that, but that's what it feels like is we have a new version of the Wild West um, where there's no bosses. There's no, you know, there's no, um, you know, uh, you're not a part of a union or anything like that. You know, that era, I think, went away for a little bit. Maybe it'll probably come back. But uh, I, that's what it feels like is you never know what's coming around the corner. I had two big clients reach out to me in the last two weeks where I was like, didn't know those were coming. So, yeah keeping things interesting and open. I think that's always a great, great mantra to go along there. So, um, for people that are wanting to learn more about you, about the services you guys offer, where can, where can people find out more about Scavo Media? Scavomedia.com. S-C-A-V as in Victor O. Media.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate the, the time and I'm sure there'll be more conversations. It's it, We were talking for a long time before, so I'm glad we, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad we could uh, get, yeah. in, get in on the pod. So I appreciate you for coming out. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, if you made it this far, this is another episode of the Rhymes with Odd podcast. My name is Ryan Snod. It rhymes with odd. Make sure to give us a five-star review if you're listening this far or subscribe on YouTube and Spotify. We'll catch you in the next episode. Peace.